love one another, forgive, judge not, fear not. It's all such great advice with beautiful outcomes, but none of those principles is a one-step process. So let's talk specifics, the messy step-by-step. Welcome to, but how though, in a bunch of other spiritual conundrums. Welcome back to But How Though and a bunch of other spiritual conundrums. All right. So for the next couple episodes, we are tackling an intensely tough topic. We're going to talk about modesty, modesty in dress, modesty in word and modesty in behavior. And in my experience, every time modesty is discussed, it brings out some feelings in us. So these discussions can get pretty emotionally charged. Modesty as a concept has been taught throughout history in various ways. But one major narrative that's been perpetuated through the ages is that modesty in dress for a woman is a standard set by the Lord so that a man won't lust after her. A woman dresses, quote, appropriately so that the people who see her won't have, quote, inappropriate thoughts and therefore personal purity is maintained. Before we go any further, we have to set the record straight on that. That is not true. Modesty is not a standard of dress given to women to ensure men don't lust after them. It's not even to make it, quote, easier on these poor, impulsive, lustful, and out-of-control creatures so that they can maybe keep their thoughts clean, okay? Although many people through the ages have tried to frame modesty in that way, it is not the Lord's way. I want to make it very clear. The idea that anyone else's thoughts, actions, behaviors, or clothing— could prevent you from controlling your thoughts, actions, or behaviors is 100% false. If this is what you were taught about modesty, either in explicit or implicit terms, you are not alone. It is, however, not helpful, not possible, and not even close to doctrinally correct. So we're going to do this scripturally because I have engaged in literal arguments (laughs) over this concept with people who cling so hard to the indoctrination that modesty is a God-given edict to women to ensure men have appropriate thoughts, or even just to help men have appropriate thoughts, that it is really hard for them to believe there's that there is no such doctrine. But I'm here to tell you, there is no such doctrine. There is no scripture from any member of Team Universe describing the need for modest clothing in that manner. Nowhere. In fact, Jesus was actually pretty clear about how he viewed the stumbling block of lust. In Matthew 5, when he's delivering the Beatitudes, he spends a minute on the topic of lust. In verses 27 through 29, he addresses the crowd directly. He says, You've heard it was said by them of old, thou shalt not commit adultery. And then in verse 28, he takes the man's perspective on this, like a heterosexual man's perspective on this as an example. But this this works for any of us when he says, but I say unto you that whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery with her already in his heart. And then in verse 29, the best advice ever, no matter our sexual orientation or gender. This is the King James version, by the way. And if thy right eye offend thee, pluck it out and cast it from thee. For it is profitable that one of thy members should perish and not that thy whole body should be cast into hell. In the NASB version, it says, now if your right eye is causing you to sin, tear it out and throw it away from you. 
for it is better for you to lose one of the parts of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And in the NLT version, it says, so if your eye, even your good eye, causes you to lust, gouge it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. Modern day translation, if your eye causes you to stumble, take control of it. Get rid of it if you have to. That's a pretty extreme thing to say. But the sentiment is this. If something you are seeing is causing you to stumble, in this case, lust, do what you need to do to tame that heart. Tame those thoughts. It might be averting your eyes. It might be taking charge of your thoughts and changing the subject in your own mind. It might be doing some mental work to consciously think of that person as a human instead of an attractive object. It might be therapy. It might be some serious self-reflection. But whatever it is, and no matter how far you have to go to solve the problem, even the removal of your eye, the problem is in your heart. Notice he did not say, if your eye is causing you to stumble because of what you're seeing, cover up the thing you're seeing so that he or she is not a stumbling block. Because he or she is not a stumbling block. Their outfit is not a stumbling block. Our thoughts are. And we're in charge of our own thoughts, which means we're in charge of our stumbling blocks. That's what we have doctrinally. A very clear directive from a member of Team Universe to tame our own thoughts and actions in order to have broken hearts. Broken like a horse. Tamed hearts. And with that focus, the concept of modesty can be extremely helpful to us because it takes the focus away from doing things so others will view us in a certain way and puts the focus back on us and our own intentions. Because modesty has been twisted through the years to mean something much narrower than its actual definition. The word modesty has now been so enmeshed with propriety in clothing we almost ignore its fullest meaning. Modesty, in fact, has nothing to do with clothing. Modesty is a state of the heart. So I went to several different dictionaries to make sure that I was giving the right definitions, the accurate definitions of modesty. And as a noun, it is the quality or state of being unassuming or moderate. It is behavior, manner, or appearance intended to avoid impropriety, indecency, or attention. And Merriam-Webster, the one we all love, says it is the quality of not being too proud or confident about yourself or your abilities. It's propriety. It's interesting also when I looked up the definitions for immodesty, it's typically lacking humility or decency, shameless, pretentious, forward, impudent. In these definitions, we can see that modesty is very closely tied to humility, and it is just as powerful. Modesty is what allows us to view ourselves as so valuable that we don't have to prove anything. It's what allows us to see ourselves clearly and not be distracted by worries about what others will think of us. We make a conscious choice not to do things for show. We'll talk about how this comes out in our words and behavior in the next episodes. But for today, I just want to focus on our appearance because that is the way that most people view modesty. Unfortunately, because of the over-sexualization of human bodies, we have tied modesty 
to sexual purity and chastity instead of tying it to humility. So then we don't get the full benefits of personal modesty. In some cases, we can actually damage each other doing the exact opposite of what modesty is because we focus on dressing for others and we try to get others to focus on dressing for us, for our approval. We do this especially with young children when we label their clothing as modest or immodest. We have created external standards dictating what is modest or immodest, which doesn't leave any room to examine our own intentions. But because modesty is in fact a state of the heart, modesty is 100% intention-based. That means that an article of clothing, a single article of clothing, which is an inanimate object and cannot think, can never determine modesty. I'm going to say that again. Modesty is an intention. Therefore, it can never be determined by the clothing. It can only be determined by one's intention in wearing the clothing. Now, I'm guessing that's pretty hard to hear for some people. And there will be many people who are saying, what? No, that is not true. There are immodest clothes. Maybe you're even picturing in your mind clothing that is always modest or clothing that is always immodest because that is how you picture it. So let's talk about that. Here's where I kind of wish I had a YouTube channel for this so we could do visual examples, but we'll just do our best with descriptions, okay? Let's examine activewear, okay? That's a very popular type of clothing that people wear all the time. So let's say you have a person wearing shorty shorts and just a sports bra or for a man shorty shorts and a bare chest nothing else and let's say the activity is running because I'm very familiar with running and so I see runners all the time (laughs) wearing their active wear now you could have a person wearing the shorty shorts and sports bra shorty shorts and no top at all and one of them could get dressed in the morning and think I'm going to show off this bare chest. I've been working on this six pack. I'm going to run today because I know if I run at this certain time, I will see a lot of people on that trail and they will see my body and they will be like, that's an ass body. That is the intention for that person. That is what determines immodesty. That person is now dressing for the attention or approval of the people seeing that person. Now you can also have a person wearing those shorty shorts and nothing on top as he got dressed in the morning and said, I think it's going to be pretty hot today and I'm going to be down on that trail. And I love that that feeling of like the wind on my skin, the sun on my back. And this is what I'm wearing based on the weather and based on what I'm doing today. That is not immodest, but that is the same exact outfit. So you can see how it's not the outfit that determines the modesty, but the intention behind the outfit that determines the modesty. It's the same thing with swimwear. You can have a, a person with a string bikini. Let's say that because I, I think a lot of people might picture a string bikini and think there is no possible way that there is anyone on this planet that can wear a string bikini modestly. But let's take a look at that. You can have a person who grabs that bikini and says what the, what the dude said in the, in the first example, I just want people to look at this hot body. And that is why she chose to wear that bikini. You also could have a woman that's like, I need sun. I've got a vitamin D deficiency. My doctor told me that my trunk is what absorbs the sun the best on my body. So I need to spend a lot of time in the sun exposing my trunk. And I am not going to be playing in the water 
or swimming around. I'm literally just going to be laying. And this article of clothing is one that I like. I'll be comfortable in it and it will give me maximum sun exposure. Now, I don't care how ridiculous you think that sounds. I actually was prescribed by a doctor to get more sun on my trunk. So I know that this is a, a literal possibility because it was done for me. But in that situation, she has chosen to wear that piece of clothing for herself. It is serving her in the ways she wants to be served while she's doing her activity. It is not the, the bikini that determines the modesty, but the intention behind wearing the bikini. This can be done with any clothing. We can talk about head-to-toe coverings. A person could be covered head-to-toe and still be immodest if what their intention for being covered head-to-toe was to draw attention to themselves and to either garner approval or disapproval or whatever. If the intention was to be seen, to be flashy, to be visible, then that was immodest even if that person is covered head-to-toe. So it can be done in a business suit. It can be done with jeans and a t-shirt. None of these things, none of these articles of clothing can dictate actual modesty. It's only the person wearing these things that dictates whether or not that thing is modest. There was a time when I attended a church service. It was an Easter service. There was this little girl, oh my gosh, bubbly, energetic, dancing in the hallway. And you could just tell she was so excited about her Easter dress. Oh my gosh. I don't know if it was new or not, but she was loving that dress. She was twirling around and just like living her best life in that frilly little thing. And you could tell she just was so happy in it. The dress was sleeveless. And a woman walked by and said, I can't believe that mother would allow that girl to wear something so immodest. And it really struck my heart. It struck my heart hard because I'm looking at this little girl She's blissfully unaware of what anyone would think of her, completely unaware of it. All she knows is what she thinks of herself while she's wearing that dress. That girl cannot use her shoulders to sexually attract people because she doesn't even understand what that means. She's not trying to get attention by showing her bare arms. She is not immodest. And to put that on her, as if she had done something immodest or the, the clothing itself is what determines the purity of the girl is utterly ridiculous. We do not need to be ashamed or afraid of the shape of our bodies. We've all got them. Furthermore, drawing lines on them, like don't show your shoulders, don't show your stomach, don't show your back. And in really olden times, don't show your ankles or even your hair. <laughs> drawing lines like that place completely arbitrary ideas on us about our bodies themselves. The truth is there is nothing inherently sexual about a, a person's stomach, for instance. That's not a sexual organ. Same with a back. It's a back. But there are many, many people who believe seeing a stomach or seeing a back is morally dangerous. And it can cause impure thoughts because bare stomachs and bare backs might take a person down a thought rabbit hole that is sexual. So to avoid that, we shake our fists and scream to the masses, cover those bellies, cover those backs. But bellies and backs aren't the actual problem. Impure thoughts are. Bare bellies and bare backs might be triggers for some sexually impure thoughts. Sure. And that could possibly lead to sexual misconduct. Sure. But bellies and backs are not the sexual misconduct. Honestly, if therapy has taught me anything, it's that Trigger prevention 
or trigger avoidance is never the solution to a problem. Trigger navigation will help you solve the problem. So we don't need to attack the trigger, a bare back or a bare stomach, because that doesn't necessarily solve the problem. We got to go for our thoughts. So, okay, I get to this place for myself and I feel pretty good about my adult understanding of modesty, choosing outfits for myself based on what I want to do. I'm freeing myself from all of these antiquated ideas about trying to dress in order to control someone else's thoughts or behavior. I let that go, right? And I'm feeling pretty zen about it. Then my daughter wants to buy some clothes and I am faced with the age old battle of anxiety. How do I teach this principle to my kids in a way that they will understand, but that they'll also always choose to be modest? How do I make sure that they're always modest if it's not the clothing that determines the modesty level? And if I let my kids have free reign on their clothing choices, the only guidelines being their personal intentions, I might have a couple of kids who will choose very immodest clothing. And what if they use this idea as an excuse? Because they'll say they're not intending to be immodest, but look, the clothes they're choosing are immodest. They're showing too much skin or too much of their body shape. And my fear, my fear about their intentions kicks in. And I go right back to the old antiquated idea that it's the clothing that determines the modesty. Here's where I had to examine my own biases. And I'm going to tell you right now, it was hard. It was hard. I had to fight all the earlier indoctrination about modesty. That swimsuit shows her belly. Those shorts are short. And I had to take deep breaths and have many chats with husband about it. And finally, talk to my daughter and help her shop. When I say help, I mean sit with her and talk myself through my old modesty biases so I could, in fact, teach my daughter to choose clothing for herself and not choose clothing for anyone else. I had to teach her not to choose clothing so that the dirty idiots who see her don't sexualize her. That's not her job. But I also had to teach her not to choose clothing that others deem modest so that they will approve of her. That's also not her job. The whole point of modesty is to not do something for another's approval and attention. So how to teach it. Here's how this conversation could sound. Okay, let's say we're bathing suit shopping and the parent says, okay, what kind of swimsuits do you like? The child. Here are some swimsuits I like parent. Great. What will you be doing at the pool primarily? Will you be going off the diving board, playing basketball, going down the slides, doing breath holding contests, just laying by the pool to get some sun? What is the aim of the activity today? Notice how we do not need to judge any of these activities as good or bad activities. We don't need to put any moral price tags on the activities. All of these are legitimate pool activities. We're simply trying to assess what kind of gear we're going to need for our intended activities, okay? So then the child says, okay, I think we're going to play a lot. Diving board, slides, basketball. Parent, okay. So which of these suits that you like do you feel would be the most comfortable and functional for what you want to do at the pool today? Then the child picks a swimsuit based on the activity and not based on the visibility. This works with any outfit, any day. When we teach our children how to dress so we can use our bodies and not how to dress so that we can be seen in our bodies, they see themselves much 
clearer. Now, that girl is not a sexual object. Teaching her to show her body, and yes, even teaching her to cover up her body to avoid being viewed as a sexual object, teaches her to see herself as a sexual object, which is damaging. I have a friend named Abby, who when she was nine years old, attended a church group activity for girls ages like eight eight to 11. And the teacher was this cute, sweet, old grandmotherly lady on this particular day who brought in a whole bunch of magazine clippings. And the activity was about modesty. She had these girls sit down and go through these magazine pictures and put them into categories of modest and immodest. She had them literally look at other women, basically, and decide if that woman was being modest by what she was wearing or if she was being immodest. And the clothing was going to determine that for the girls. So they sat there and put them into categories of modest or immodest. Then the next activity is to stand them in a line. And she has all of them raise their hands above their heads. And she said to these little girls, if your stomach is showing, you are dressed immodestly. Let me tell you why this is so damaging. First of all, in this situation, modesty was used as a weapon against people. These girls were literally being taught to judge others based on their appearance. That was the literal lesson. Then she gave them an external standard to measure if they were any better or worse than the disgustingly immodest people in the pictures. And this one little girl, Abby, as she raised her hands above her head, Her stomach was showing. And when the woman said, if your stomach is showing, you are dressed immodestly. Abby was disgusted with herself. She was just wearing her cute t-shirt with the purple sparkly thing on the front of it. She was just there to get together with her friends and be with these church leaders that she loved who were very sweet to her. So she believed what they said. And what they said is, you are immodest. That didn't take into account the fact that a nine-year-old girl is not using her stomach as a sexual bait for other people. It simply gave her an external way to judge herself and judge other people. So this little girl who never intended to be immodest and therefore couldn't be, no matter what she was wearing, went home feeling disgusted with herself. Because someone said if her stomach showed, by raising her shirt, by the way, then she was just like those bad people in the pictures. Doctrinally speaking, I think we can all agree that is, that is incorrect. That is not correct doctrine. Psychologically speaking, we have hard data on this now that that type of teaching is, in fact, damaging. Team Universe has been actually pretty clear about judging people by appearances Also, one big example I can think of is in uh, 1 Samuel 16, where Samuel is being asked to go and anoint someone, and he's got to figure out who, who God would want in this position. So he goes, and he's seeing all these people, and he's like, oh, I think this one's the one. This one looks rather kingly. And Team Universe was like, nah, no. Stop looking at these guys' outward appearance. It's not going to tell you anything. Men look on at the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart. On the heart. So then where does intentional modesty come in? If we hand our children the reins completely, how do we know they're learning it? It's the easiest part to say and the hardest part to do. 
we have to teach them self-examination of their own hearts. Why do you want that article of clothing? Is it because you think it's hot and you want to look hot? And if you had it, you know other people would think you were hot? Because dressing to be seen and assessed by others is, in fact, immodest. Be it a business suit or a swimsuit, if the intention is attention, that's immodest. Sometimes, though, the answer to that question, you want to just do it because you want other people to think you're hot, sometimes the answer to that question is going to be yes for us or for our kids. That's the time we get to examine why. Why do we want that visibility? What insecurities in ourselves do we have that are crying out for that kind of attention? And sometimes it requires us actually wearing the thing to be able to examine our hearts in that way. And we have to let it be on them. We have to. It is so hard because we feel that if they're left to decide on their own, they might mess up. They might wear something because they want to fit in or because they want to look hot, or because they want to send a message, or prove something. And that scares us as parents, doesn't it? We don't want them to ever do that. What if it leads to deviant behavior? What if it leads to sexual misconduct? What if it leads to danger? Our fears will talk. But if we want them to learn to use the power of actual modesty, we have to let them experiment with how to examine their hearts along the way. Often when we talk about this, we also hear the, but what about dress codes and appropriate conduct expectations in certain organized institutions, such as schools or businesses? Very valid point. This is something that falls outside the realm of the word modesty, okay? But it is something that goes along with this conversation, so I think we should talk about it also. There are dress codes and professional expectations of attire in some places, We don't just get to dress to our own comfort level every day in every place because what if I'm most comfortable in a string bikini at the office, (laughs) okay? So in these modesty lessons with our kids, we also have to teach about something I call forced intimacy, which is not the same as like physical force. It's basically forcing someone else to be more intimately acquainted with you and your body than they want it to be. It's kind of like TMI but with your body. Showing a lot of your body to someone who doesn't want to see it is socially aggressive. So if my activity is swimming, a swimsuit is obviously totally appropriate. And if someone has impure thoughts, that's totally on them. We get it. But if I'm at the office and I'm going to be in close quarters with someone all day, is it considerate to force them to know more about my body than they want to or asked to? No. Also, there's hard data, hard scientific data on how a person dresses affects their behavior, productivity, etc. This is why we have decency laws. You can't just walk around nude while you're walking your dog. We have dress codes for schools and businesses, etc. because certain institutions want and need to create very specific atmospheres and they do it through codes of attire and conduct. But that's not about modesty at that point. That's something different. On the personal level, The most important thing to understand with modesty is that it is something to help us see ourselves more like Team Universe sees us. It's a tool to help us personally keep our hearts in check. It is not something we should ever use against each other to manipulate someone else into behaving a certain way or dressing a certain way so that we don't have to feel afraid because that's what it comes down to. If you're trying to control what another person wears, It's going to be based on a fear that you have inside of you. But if we can back that up and focus on intention, 
our power and our responsibilities about our own bodies and our own conduct become so much more clear. That's all I've got for this week. Please join us again next week and we'll get even more into modesty as it relates to speech and behavior. And if you want to continue this discussion or if you have questions about this topic and you want to talk more about it, please contact me on Facebook, Instagram. I'm happy to continue this discussion. Self-examination is super hard, but we are not on our own. Team Universe is so ready and so excited to help us examine our hearts. It only takes opening our hearts and our minds and asking some serious questions like, but how though?